So the questions are in the chat. Definitely feel free to raise your hand to come up. Don't be shy. It's very few of us in here. Okay, so need some volunteers. It can't just be me up here. Um, or I'm going to start picking on people. Shayla, I see you in there. Linda, her name. Come on, y'all. Time to come up. The questions are in the chat. I only got till 7 o'clock, so <laughs> you guys got to come on up. Come on up. Can people hear me? You guys hear me, right? You guys got the questions? All right. Thank you, Miss Webb. I'm like, people just leave me up. Come on, come on, come on. Shayla, you're driving home. Oh, I'm sorry, Renee. I hope you feel better. All right. Thank you, Diane. Look at you coming up. Okay. Clubhouse is playing games. Hold on. I'm trying to get you. Okay, Diane came up. All right. Latasha, you know you could come up here and do some practice, right? <laughs> Your test is coming up soon. I'm calling her out, y'all. All right. And Nate, I'm not going, you're always a woman to come up. Anybody else? Barbara, Miss Kelly, anybody else? I'm looking in chat to see who else I can bring up. Who else? All right. Okay. All right, guys, we're gonna go ahead and start. I think that's enough people up. Oh, she coming on up. Natasha, I didn't call <laughs> because I called you out, huh? I definitely did on purpose. All right, guys, you guys <laughs> should have the questions already there. So we're gonna go ahead and open those up, okay? And we're gonna do the first one. In her role at a community mental health clinic, social worker Beth is providing counseling to 34-year-old Sarah, who was referred due to difficulties in her workplace and personal relationships. Sarah describes feeling unappreciated and overlooked in her job despite her hard work. And she often feels resentful towards her colleagues and supervisor. Instead of addressing these feelings directly, Sarah finds herself procrastinating on important tasks, occasionally arriving late to meetings and subsequently undermining her colleagues' ideas during team discussions. She acknowledges these behaviors, but struggles to connect them to her feelings of resentment and undervaluation. In her personal life, Sarah exhibits similar patterns. She expresses dissatisfaction with her partner's lack of involvement in household chores, but avoids direct confrontation. Instead, she leaves tasks unfinished in hope that her partner will notice and take over, leading to tension and unresolved conflict in the relationship. All right, which ego defense mechanism is she most likely imploring and how should Beth address this in her counseling session with Sarah? So, A, passive aggression, B, sublimation, C, repression, and D, displacement. So it is an application recall question. So let's first look at A, passive aggression. Do we keep it or do we throw it out? What are we gonna do with it? Keep it. Okay. What about B, sublimation? Um. I say, I mean, I, I believe the answer is A. I don't know if I'm right or not. So I just. That's fine. I'm just going through. No, you're okay. good. You're good. I'm just going through repression. Toss. Do we keep it or throw it out? Toss. 
Toss. Got it. What about displacement? Rubber accent. We're tossing displacement too? Yes. Okay. All right. So this one I think was a pretty easy one to start. So of course it would be passive aggression. <laughs> so <laughs> you guys are right on the money. Passive aggression by expressing negative feelings indirectly through resistant behaviors. That should help Sarah explore the roots of her resentment and develop skills for assertive communication. So Sarah's behaviors of procrastination, subtle undermining, and leaving tasks unfinished are a characteristic of passive aggression, where negative feelings are expressed indirectly through resistant or obstructive actions. Beth's focus should be on helping Sarah understand the underlying causes of her resentment and teaching her more direct and constructive ways to communicate her feelings and needs. B, sublimation involves redirecting maladaptive impulses into positive social acceptable activities, which doesn't directly align with Sarah's behavior of expressing resentment through indirect resistance and sabotage. C, repression involves unconsciously burying distressing thoughts and feelings, making them inaccessible to conscious awareness. While Sarah might have some repressed feelings, her primary goal is the indirect expression of recognized resentment, pointing more towards passive aggression. Displacement involves shifting emotions from their original source to a safer target, which doesn't fully capture Sarah's behavior of expressing dissatisfaction and indirectly in context relating to the source of her feelings, workplace and home, rather than redirecting those feelings elsewhere. So this would be a bachelor exam content outline question under the category of human development, diversity, behavior in the environment, focusing on ego defense mechanism, passive aggression. If this was a bachelor exam, that would be 25% of the examining human behavior. Now, of course, you'll see ego defense mechanisms across all exams, not just on the bachelor. But here we give you a sample question of each um, licensing level, okay? So for the next one, Liam, a social worker with a focus on community development is working in a diverse urban neighborhood characterized by a wide range of cultural backgrounds, social economic statuses, and in age groups. Recently, the community has faced challenges related to gentrification, leading to tensions between longstanding residents and newer, more affluent individuals moving into the area. These tensions have manifested in various ways, including disputes over community resources, differing visions for neighborhood improvements and a general sense of division within the community. Okay. Sorry, I lost my page, you guys. <laughs> so Liam recognizes the importance of fostering a sense of unity and mutual understanding among the neighborhood's residents to address these challenges effectively. He plans to initiate a series of community engagement projects aimed at bringing together diverse groups to collaborate on neighborhood initiatives. Liam's believes that by creating opportunities for interactions and cooperation, residents can develop a shared sense of community identity and purpose despite their differences. So what should Liam prioritize first to effectively address the diversity and foster inclusivity within the urban neighborhood? So we've got A, organize large scale community events that appeal to the broadest possible audience, ensuring maximum participation and visibility for the initiatives. 
B, develop targeted outreach programs for each distinct group within the neighborhood, addressing the specific interests and concerns separately. C, facilitate small mixed group discussions and workshops that encourage dialogue and collaboration among residents from different backgrounds and perspectives. D, focus primarily on the needs and concerns of the longstanding residents as they are most affected by the changes due to gentrification. All right, so let's first start with A. Do we keep A or do we throw it out? What are we gonna do with A? Keep it. Okay, we can keep it for now. Silvana, the question, the uh, link to the question you'll see in the chat. You gotta move the chat up some more. Let me actually make sure she can see it because I know people are typing in it, so I'm gonna um, put it in there again. I don't think she can see it. Hold on, hold on, guys. Okay, so we'll keep A. What about B? Do we keep B or do we get rid of B? Get rid of it. Okay. I would toss B. Got it. What about C? Do we keep C or do we get rid of C? I would keep C. Keep it. Oh. We'll keep we'll keep it for now. That's okay. We can get to our best too. That's perfectly fine. What about D? Do we keep it or do we toss it? Toss. Okay. Toss it. We will toss it out. <laughs> toss it out, yeah. All right, so now we're down to our best two. I don't know if you guys remember what I always say. When we are between two, we need to make sure we know what the presenting problem is and what's being addressed, right? So we either can do A, organize large-scale community events that appeal to the broader possible audience, ensuring maximum participation and visibility for the initiative, or C, facilitate small mixed group discussions and workshops that encourage dialogue and collaboration among residents from different backgrounds and perspectives. I'm gonna look at the chat as well. <laughs> Logan, you said it's always between two, huh? Yes, it is always between two, but only one is gonna be first. I'm thinking it seems like we're stuck. What'd you say, Diane? I was saying, I, I was thinking A, then you move to B. Okay. I mean, C. Gotcha. So how about, I'm gonna pull out some things for you. Maybe that'll help. So if I go back, to the beginning of the scenario, let me note who I am. I'm a social worker, I'm focusing on community development. So that tells me who I am and also notes what my role is. Then you're working with a diverse urban neighborhood. That's important because now we know who we're working with. They have a wide range of cultural backgrounds, socioeconomic statuses and age groups. That's important. Now, recently, the community has faced challenges related to gentrification, leading to tensions between longstanding residents and newer, more affluent individuals moving into the area. So, of course, the community is dealing with the effects of gentrification. That's an issue. So I would probably note that as a problem. Now, the tension have manifested in various ways, disputes and resources, differing visions for neighborhood improvement and a general sense of division within the community. So the first part of this vignette talks about the effects of gentrification on the community that you're working with, which is a 
urban neighborhood that's going through that process, which we're probably all very familiar with in real life. Now, Liam recognizes the importance of fostering unity and mutual understanding among the neighborhood's residents to address these challenges effectively. You all, in the scenario, they're kind of giving you a hint to what is the social worker, what are they trying to accomplish? He wants to foster a sense of unity and mutual understanding among the residents to address these challenges. So that's what he wants to do. Now, he's planning a series of community engagement projects aimed at bringing together diverse groups. He believes that creating opportunities will, you know, have interaction and cooperation so the residents can develop a sense of community identity and purpose despite their differences. That's another part of what he's trying to do, creating opportunities for interaction and cooperation. So I would note that you always want to make sure you're paying attention to what the provider is trying to help with. Now, He's contemplating the most effective strategies for this community. Now, he has to consider cultural sensitivities, language barriers, and accessibility of community events and meetings. Based off of that and what the presenting problem is, would I, I'm going to shorthand this answer, organize large-scale community events or facilitate small mixed-group discussions and workshops? See if that helps you out a little bit better now that I kind of got Logan. I hope that helps you out in the chat based off of the breakdown of that question, what the social worker is trying to accomplish and look at what the presenting problem is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, short, shorten both organize large scale community events, facilitate small mixed group discussions. Which one would you choose now that I've kind of helped you paraphrase that? C. C. Boom. That's it. Mm-hmm. Now you guys see what I did, right? Going back to make sure I understand that I can process the information. Who am I? What is my role? Who is the client? How do they describe them? What's the issue? Come on, and if it's hinted in there, what is being done or what is the provider trying to do? And I also made sure that the first couple of words in the first two parts of those answer choices that get stuck between two, what are they really trying to do? So I shorthanded, instead of going through the whole, A, organizing large scale community events that appeal to the broader possible audience, blah, blah, blah. I just shortened it to organize large scale community events. This, that piece. C, facilitate small mixed group discussions and workshops. Just that piece. So it can be very wordy at times. So I want you guys to kind of get concise in terms of those pieces. With that, you were able to choose the right answer. Now, if you could do that through 170 questions, we're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to the rationales just for the recording purposes. A, while large scale events can generalize, um, generate visibility, they may not provide the intimate setting necessary for meaningful dialogue and understanding among diverse groups, which is essential for addressing underlying tensions and fostering inclusivity. B, targeted outreach programs might address specific groups' needs, but could inadvertently reinforce divisions by segregating community efforts, counteracting Liam's goal of fostering unity. Of course, C is the right answer. Small mixed group settings are more conducive the personal interactions and can facilitate deeper understanding and collaboration among residents from varied backgrounds directly addressing the community's diversity and promoting inclusivity. D, prioritizing the concerns of long-standing residents over the, those of newer residents could exacerbate existing tensions and division, undermining efforts to develop a cohesive 
community identity that includes all neighborhood residents. So this would be a master's question, human development, diversity, and behavior in the environment. 27% of the master's exam was human behavior. With that being said, we're going to go to the next one. All right. I need y'all to put y'all thinking hats on because this is a research question. <laughs> so Karen, a social worker at a community mental health center, is involved in a research project examining the effectiveness of a new group therapy program for managing symptoms of depression. The program introduces innovative mindfulness and expressive arts activities, and Karen's team is eager to evaluate its impact on participants' well-being. To assess the program's effectiveness, Karen and her team decides to conduct pre- and post-intervention assessments used standardized depression inventories. Aware of the complexities involved in behavioral research, Karen is particularly concerned about how the participants' awareness of being studied might influence their behavior and responses during the therapy sessions, potentially skewing the research outcomes. Karen recalls discussing various research phenomena that could affect the validity of their findings during her graduate studies. She is particularly mindful of one effect that might cause participants to alter their behavior simply because they are being observed rather than due to the therapeutic inventions themselves. Karen considers strategizing to minimize this effect, ensures that the results more accurately reflect the true impact of the group therapy program. Could you just, um, I'm not sure who that is, but mute yourself, Nadia, for me. Okay. Thank you. Which effect is most relevant to her research project? So we have A, Hawthorne effect, B, halo effect, C, placebo effect, D, null hypothesis. I know you guys probably want to throw up all over this if you're not a macro social worker, <laughs> but we got to do them. Okay, with that being said, let's look at A, Hawthorne effect. Do we keep it or do we throw it out? Keep it. Okay. Keep it. Halo effect. Do we keep it or throw it out? Toss. Okay. Tossing. C, placebo effect. Toss. D, null hypothesis. Toss. Okay. You guys actually got it right. Wow. Hawthorne effect. I thought that was going to get y'all. And it did not. So let's talk it through. So the Hawthorne effect specifically describes how research participants may alter their behavior simply because they know they are being observed or are part of a study, which aligns with Karen's concern about the validity of her research findings. So this was really, when it comes to research guys, finding examples of what it looks like helps. So now you have an example of what the Hawthorne effect would look like. B, the halo effect relates to the bias and judgments based on one's overall impression of a person or an aspect of a person, which is not directly relevant to Karen's concern about participants changing their behavior due to the awareness of being part of a study. The placebo effect involves participants experiencing changes due to their belief in the effectiveness of a treatment or intervention rather than the intervention itself. 
While important in clinical research, it does not specifically address Karen's concern about the impact of observation on participants' behavior. Indeed, the null hypothesis is a statistical concept used in hypotheses testing to suggest that there is no effect or relationship between variables. It does not refer to a phenomenon where participants change their behavior due to being observed, which is what Karen is concerned about, which would be the Hawthorne effect. So this would be a clinical question, although you can very much well see it on the master's. Assessment, diagnosis, and treatment planning, general research terminology, Hawthorne effect, 30% of the clinical exam. That is the first largest area of the clinical exam on the master's is tied um, with, I believe, 24% with the intervention section. So with that being said, we're going to go into the next one. In her role at a family service agency, social worker Emily is providing counseling to the Clark family who are navigating the complexities of adopting a child from foster care system. The family consists of two parents, Jordan and Taylor, and their biological son, Max, who is seven years old. The Clarks are in the process of adopting six-year-old Lily, who has been with them as a foster child for the past year. During a session, Lily discloses to Emily in a private that she feels uncomfortable with a particular family friend who visits the Clarks often. She's hesitant to provide specific details, but implies that the friend's behavior makes her feel uneasy. Lily makes Emily promise not to tell anyone about this conversation, expressing fear that this disclosure might upset her prospective adoptive parent and jeopardize her place in the family. What should Emily do first in accordance with professional ethics and her duty to protect her client? We have A, respect Lily's re request for confidentiality and continue to monitor the situation closely, providing support and guidance to Lily within the counseling sessions. B, assess the risk of harm to Lily by gently encouraging her to share more information about her interactions with a family friend, ensuring her safety is the top priority. C, inform Lily's prospective adoptive parents about the disclosure, emphasizing the need to ensure Lily's safety and well-being within the household. D, report the situation to Child Protective Services immediately, given the potential risk to Lily's safety, even without specific details about the alleged behavior. So let's first start with A. Do we keep A or do we throw it out? You guys got quiet on Toss it. Toss okay. it. B. Keep. What about C? Toss. Toss it. D. Okay. C would be, I mean, not C, sorry. B. B would be the correct answer. Assess the risk of harm to Lily by gently encouraging her to share more information about her interaction with the family friend, ensuring that her safety is a top priority. So for recording purposes, I'll bring up the rationale. A, while respecting confidentiality is important, Emily has a duty to assess and address any potential risk to Lily's safety, which may require gently probing for more information to understand the nature of the discomfort in Lily's um, that she may be experiencing. 
B, which is the correct answer, the first step is to assess the risk of harm by obtaining more information, which allows Emily to take appropriate actions based on a more complete understanding of the situation. This approach balances the ethical considerations of confidentiality with the need to protect Lily. C, informing Lily's pr uh, prospective adoptive parents without further assessment could breach Lily's confidentiality and potentially harm her relationship with her prospective adoptive family. It is important to gather more information and assess the risk before deciding on this course of action. Indeed, reporting to Child Protective Services may eventually be necessary, but it should be based on a clear understanding of the risks and after taking steps to ensure that such a report is warranted, immediate reporting without further assessment could unnecessarily breach confidentiality and may not be in Lily's best interest if the risk is not clear. So this would be a professional relationship values and ethics question 25% of the master's exam, not as much on the clinical exam It's a very small percentage, it's like 19%, I believe. But on the master's exam is a huge chunk as the first largest area, according to the ASW guideline. With that being said, guys, we are good to go. Oh, wait, Logan said something. Sorry, I just looked at the chat. So Logan says, B, she only said she feels uncomfortable. She didn't really explain what's bothering her. Logan, I'm not sure if you understand what the presenting problem was. When it comes to an ethical question like this, the fact that she disclosed that she feels uncomfortable with her particular family friend pretty much said what she was uncomfortable with. So she may not have given the specifics, but she gave enough information that you have a duty to investigate and hold up your code of ethics. So I'm hoping, Logan, that helped. Well, she, Logan says, why not CPS? Now, here's the thing, Logan. It, the, is CPS in the question? <laughs> is CPS in the questions or the answer choice? Nope, it's not there. So the other part is not adding to the question. We cannot do that. So hopefully that helped. I got to run. I'm late for another group, guys. I hope um, you guys have a blessed evening. I will make sure that both the three um, podcasts are up. And please take care of yourselves. You guys know how to find me during the week. And um, be blessed and take care. All right. Bye-bye.